Hello, and welcome to Stephen Rowland's Beer Podcast. Episode 259. No, no fact. No fun. No joy. That's that's pretty much. Yeah, so you could sum us up in like three, yeah. You know. Yeah, not, not on the upbeat mode this week, but hopefully some delightful beer will cheer us up a little bit. We have got this week uh, Snake Charmer from One Mile End, um, who are a London brewery. They are based in Tottenham, which is confusing because that's not what they're named after. They they used to be based in the East End, yeah, in One Mile End. Um, they started life underneath one of the pubs there, um, but they have now recently, no, relatively recently, they've moved out to uh, Tottenham. When uh, space became available uh, at Redemption's old brew house out there, um, so yeah, they re- relocated for a bigger space, but they are still brewing uh, some of the stuff at One Mile End. I like the idea of uh, brewers moving into another brewer space as they move out. And I remember um, there was a brewery in uh, in uh, West Yorkshire. Uh, one that you're quite fond of, Mallinson's. Mm. When they uh, upgraded to a larger premises, um, uh, a smaller brewer uh, by the name of uh, Handrawn Monkey moved into their old brewery. Uh, it was just like yeah. brewers are a bit like snails. They do like to just like do that whole kind of maybe hermit crabs would be a better analogy. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. I was gonna say what they they leave trails. Uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> depends how rough a session they've had, I suppose. Um, anyway. Straight off, like uh, Roland just pulled this, and I could smell it from uh, you know probably about a meter apart. Uh, like, so wow. this is described as a a classic West Coast IPA. Um, Another one of those, eh? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. First thought straight away was mm, vanilla. Mmm. That's like really stand out, like quite obvious vanilla. For me, I'm trying to remember which hop it is. Oh, maybe Amarillo. Uh, there's. I'm I'm going to take a guess that maybe it's Amarillo because there's there's one hop and I I I'm terrible at remembering which one it is. I think it's Amarillo. Every time I have it, it makes me think of custard tarts, which confused me for a long time. Why I think this kind of thing was sweet, and it's because of that association between vanilla and custard. I I, I picked up vanilla on it, and I agree this tastes quite vanilla-like. Um, and then my mind just went to custard tart. It's weird because whenever I hear Amarillo, I think of Peter Kay. But yes, that's, that's um... he's, <laughs> he's not tart. Not custard of any kind. Don't don't. How do you know? Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's a custard tart in disguise. <laughs> Entirely possible. Mm. Uh, he did. He did play a very interesting character in uh, Doctor Who, didn't he? Yeah. Remember that one, the Absorber. <laughs> I've forgotten that. <laughs> I could see him. I could see him dressed up as a giant custard tart now. Uh, yeah. I, uh, if, it, <laughs> if anyone would dress up as a giant tart, I could see that. Also, you know, I've I threw that Doctor Who reference mm. out there just because you know I know, I know it's appreciated. Uh, <laughs> um, Our <Huvian> listener. <laughs> I tell you what, it hits the bill like this. It, West Coast IPA. I don't argue that. These they were um, 
it's one of those styles like two or three years ago they were bloody everywhere Ooh. everyone was doing them it was just like the, the on trend thing to do wasn't it if you're a craft brewery oh you've got to do a west coast IPA you know because well why not um, I would say really what it is is lots of, there's lots of people brewing IPAs and there's still lots of people brewing IPAs mm. the difference is a few years ago we weren't really discussing whether what coast they were from mm. we were just saying it's an IPA and it's only really since we've had some IPAs that don't taste like this mm. that we've started talking about West Coast IPAs I'd, I'd, I'd heard people talk about West Coast IPAs in the past before that mm. but it was rare to see it being kind of mentioned particularly by in branding or you know, on the, in the information on the website or anything like that whereas these days much more of a thing to actually mention which mm. coast it's from well, that's the thing again I think I think you started seeing more of that though because of, before that everyone was brewing IPAs because you know that mm. was what you did uh, and I think it was a, a, a for me I bet the, the reason that someone started using West Coast was probably because they wanted to distinguish themselves from all the other IPAs out there I and mean, understand now it's just like well what how is this IPA different well, well it's, I, a, it's a west coast style IPA I would say like west coast IPAs really that. are what I mean there was a little bit of differences but at one point I, I think that it was kind of splitting hairs as to whether or not which coast it was meant to come from it's only since you've had the New England style stuff really develop that I think there's been a real clear difference um, as as IPAs go, I think this definitely ticks those boxes. It's bitter, very pleasantly so. Um, it's a little bit, there's a little bit of that caramel malts and stuff in there, but it's not overly cloying or sweet. It stops short of going too far there. Mm. Um, you get a nice citrusy orange rind, lemon rind kind of thing to it. Yeah, I think orange rind's probably... Mm. It's not a really sharp one, is it? it no, um... not at all, no. No, it's very, very tasty. It ticks the, bill. Uh, it ticks the, the boxes. Uh, so, yeah. They've done a, a pretty, pretty, a pretty solid job yeah. canning it as well. We said, like, we had a lot of cans in this sort of run, and I do like a can in some ways, but I also still look at them a little bit cautiously because... They can be a bit hit and miss in terms of the standard of, of the work, the standard of the canning process, I think. Mm. I think it's something people are getting better at, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. had, there was a thing a few years ago with a number of brewers who were outsourcing the canning and got really badly done over, didn't they? But I think... Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I've still seen a, f- a few, I'd say, more dodgy cans than I have dodgy bottles. Mm. You st- well, you see, again, though, you're starting to see uh, some of the bit- bigger breweries over here, you know, they're taking the plunge, aren't they? They're investing they in canning lines themselves and bringing it in-house, which, you know... Well, I, I it's, also it's a, think... It's a big investment, but I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, it is. And I, I think you see different issues with cans and bottles. So if you bottle bad, like if there's a there's problem with bottles, more often than not, what I see is that you've not maybe been as good at sterilising and stuff as they should have been. Mm. If you get a bit of Britannomyces in there, you get a kind of, you get your bretty, funky flavours, which can lead to overcarbonation, it can cause problems, but actually, I've had a number of beers that haven't had that intentionally in there, but it's been pretty tasty if you, if you like your funky beers, like me, mm. there's been some good results. Um... It is possible to get other stuff. I had one that was, um, I think probably Petty Cockers, just I've 
ripped all the, everything out of it. It was terrible. Um, but it's pretty rare to get kind of total write-offs that way. Mm. Whereas with cans, it's it's not so much a sterilisation because that tends to be really good. It tends to be getting too much oxygen in there, or getting your carbonation off and having them not mm. properly carbonated, or having them having like lots of oxygen in there and just everything going very stale very quickly. Um, so it's diff- different kinds of issues I think for cans and bottles. And one of the reasons I still kind of like the can the bottles is that. I kind of like those problems. Like for me, when I've had some of the Brett Brett into beers, it's been really interesting because mm. they haven't been good. They haven't been as intended, but they've still been delicious. Hmm. I I, I get the pros of cans as well, but uh, well, I mean, for it'd me, be a shame if they everyone went one way or the other. For me, I mean, I uh, I know people have had issues with uh, some cans, but I mean, I personally have never had a bad can. Uh, you know, I've never had, it, I've never come across as myself. So, like, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm not fussed whether it's a can or a bottle. I'm more mm. concerned with what's inside it, whether it's tasty, and you know, yeah. I, I think it, it depends a lot on who you're going from as well. Like, it, we, I mean, a lot of our cans would come from people who are probably fairly well experienced like the cans that I've probably drunk the most from are people like Morbier who invested a lot of effort into getting their canning mm. line up and, and so on um, Magic Rock I've had a fair number of their cans again people who've spent a lot of well, they you were. know didn't, didn't, don't go in lightly into doing it have, have thought about it and worked sure hard on getting consistency pretty sure they were one of the ones that got caught out early doors though weren't they by they outsourcing mm, it might uh, have been memory serves uh, but anyway um, what are your thoughts on uh, again? Because again, we've we've seen a lot more cans uh, on the sizes. Some uh, I like three thirty. Yeah, I I prefer three thirties as well. To be honest, I, I don't know wrong. I, I see the so I, I see why some people would go for the four forties, but I quite I, I yeah. I'm, I did the cannonballs. I I I had not the whole range of cannonballs that have been released, but um, for anyone who somehow missed it, Magic Rock have released their cannonball. Series. I've had the. Should we call it Cannonball Season? I think that's is. Mm. It's become such a common thing, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. So I had the the human cannonball and the neo human cannonball, which is their New England style version of human cannonball. Oh, I thought you were going to say you drank uh, neo cannonball, and next thing you know, you're fighting off a bunch of agents. Uh... I I actually I, I actually had a growler full of the. Um, the neo human from Phil at Lot of Tears, which is very appreciated. Um, the but the the human can. Well, I had the the can, and it's a five hundred mil can. Wow, that's that's a lot. that's big. Yeah, uh. imagine you have five hundred mil cans, and I I like I looked at the unhuman cannonball, and I was like, I can't drink that. Hmm. The, the ABV is half a litre <laughs> I think I can't remember what the ABV is it's like 11% yeah. it's over 10% I can't remember that much half a litre of 11% beer after, you know that's I find it I, I find don't it want really... to drink that much of it I want to have a th- like 330 of that I'd have bought one and I, I, I and they were sitting there on the shelf I had, I had a look at them and went I don't want to drink that because it's too big if you give me a 330 even better a 200 do you remember that, those the um, the little mixer cans you get for to get oh yeah, yeah the no tiny one, little ones you, you, you can buy in the supermarket you've got kind of Schweppes yeah. tiny mixer size do those for the super yeah. for, for your like your 12 your high percentage beers and I would be 
I would be buying those up left, right, and centre. Well, the thing, the thing for me about this whole uh, can sizes thing, it, it goes back to around about eighteen months or so ago, where you started seeing a number of uh, you had the the same thing with bottle sizes, and like the five hundred ml bottle versus the three thirty ml bottle. Yeah. And, you know, you had some. Uh, there was a number of brewers that stopped doing five hundred ml bottles and they moved to three thirties yeah. for uh, various reasons, and like. So then they're canning and it's all reversed. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, uh, peop- when you started to see the cans, it was pretty much exclusively 330s. And now suddenly you started to see the shift towards the bigger cans, the 440s, the 500 mils. And it's just like, I'm, I'm curious what people's oh, reasons are for Don't going. get me wrong. I think sometimes it suits. And I think some of the issue is that people choose one. Like, I don't think they do multiple sizes. So they choose one size. And maybe they... They're driven a lot by what they think the majority of what they're going to do is. So if Cloudwater, for example, they do their small beers, you know, their 2.7% ones, their table beers, all those things, they've been really good recently. Um, 440 mils of those, great. I, I think they're a nice size. I really, really do. But do I want their triple IPA in a 440? Not really. Like, it, it seems like you sell them on a size and they're going, well... You know, particularly with the the, the climate, economic climate as it is, there's going to be more of a push to do smaller beers because of the al- potential alcohol issues and pricing stuff that's coming along. Maybe we're going to start doing more of those. Let's do the big ones so we can, which would be good for the for the lower ABV stuff. But all the big stuff, I don't want that big. I don't. I can cope with with smaller ABV stuff in three thirties because I'd just buy two. Well, the thing is, you can deal with the you can deal with the the big stuff if it comes in a in a three thirty bottle, because if you don't yeah. want to have it all, you can use a bloody stopper. It's uh, also you can't really do that with a can. It's like you if you if you open it, you're committing to it. And uh, I think you see, like there, there's much more. It's much easier, I think, for people to do two sizes of bottle. Like you, certainly the Colonel Light used to. I don't mm. think they do anymore. But it used to be that their pale ales would come in five hundreds and their IPAs came in. 330s mm. and that always to me seemed like a sensible thing like you know if you're going to do a four and a half five percent beer 500 fair enough if you're going to do an eight nine percent beer okay what the IPAs aren't that high but you know what I mean if you're going to do a, a bigger beer 330 is definitely the you know more than enough for me for but yeah I, I think I feel I, like I, they maybe they settled onto yeah. one size and they felt I just find the whole thing really interesting. I mean, you had the a, a big shift with the whole bottle thing about eighteen months ago, and well, everyone they, was advocating the three thirty as the you know. And then you've seen the thing now as more and more people are starting to can. You get such a variation, and I'm like, I'm curious people's reasonings. Well, um, I, and money must come into it as well yeah. because you have to. Like, if I buy, I buy a Magic Rocks, the Cannonball, yeah. You know, Particularly now, there was if I if I had bought all four in the series, that would have been four, or two liters of beer, mm. and it would have set me back over twenty quid for my for you know for four beers from one brewery, like because I am buying a pint, pretty much, of each of those beers. And I don't want to try a pint of those beers. Yeah, no. And I, yeah, I wouldn't go yeah. into a pub and have ordered. I'll have a pint of each of the cannonballs, please. In fact, even I, if they're on. In fact, I'd be amazed if you went if you went into Magic Rocks Brewery Tap and ordered a pint of the uh, the Unhuman Cannonball. I bet they'd turn around and say, uh, 
No. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a beer perfectly suited they'd certainly, they'd certainly question it they'd certainly turn around and go are you sure you want to have a pint of that that's yeah. really strong beer like yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't get that kind of like, your, your price point then becomes quite high for anything from that brewery which again I, I, I look at I do it could, half an eye I like to be able to buy affordable beers it could be as well like, I mean we don't understand the practicalities of uh, actually running a canning line I don't know how easy it is to, to adjust and do different size runs it could be you've actually got fixed yeah the, I, the can run that you've got is a, is a fixed size so they've actually I can definitely believe that they are they are forcing to settle on one or the other I'm not sure if that's I mean you've got the practicalities of holding you know uh, stock different different so on, stock as well, yeah. but like I don't think it necessarily be an issue with the machinery because like up until very recently, all Magic Roll stuff came in small cans. But you so, might, oh, you might have to reset it. Like it might yeah. well be a very laborious process of yeah, changing could, the machinery over to be. make sure you get consistent good results. But again, like I say, the thing is, you don't. There are certain ones you don't want a half a liter of. Yeah. Like, a, you know, nearly a, a, you know, pretty much a pint. Uh, well, let, so, let's anyway, anyway, let's wrap up our thoughts we, on we got, we got Snake Charmer. Detoured there, didn't we? We, did, we got, uh, I might have another detour in a minute before we finish, but get the tape, the scores ready. Scores yeah. on the doors. Um, yeah, I like the beer. Um, very tasty. Uh, liking the vanilla note. Lots of bitterness, and I do like the bitterness because I'm a very bitter person. Um, I'm gonna go with an eight this week. Yeah, I'm. I agree. I think this is a nice beer. Um, I'm getting more of that orange starting to definitely come through in the vanilla. I really like that. I think it's a little different to a lot of very kind of piney, grapefruity ones that I've had recently of this style. I do like this style. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good example. Eight and a half for me. I would happily try more from, from One Mile End. Mm. Um, so before we we drink up and shut up, although you're drinking pretty much all gone, and yeah. mine's very nearly gone. Um, yeah, I always finish before you. Yeah. Um, last weekend, I made it to Coventry and to the Twisted Barrel Tap House uh, and Brewery, which I've, I've been trying to make it to for ages. Um, yeah, very nice, um, great service. Really nice vibe. I was there on a Sunday afternoon and it was very chilled. Nice place to have a nice beer. Um, I did not drink... Oh, I did drink one... I drank one thing over 4.5%. Um, everything... They had, I think, about 14 beers on the on list. Two, two cask and a load of keg. And the vast majority of it was actually very low. Um, and blueberry sour at 27 um, I went up to the level. I, I, in fact, I went up for my final one to uh, the mild, which is three and a half. Um, Pushing out the boat there a bit. Yeah, but enjoyed all my beers and um, yeah. It, I mean, it was nice to be able to go somewhere out on a, a hot Sunday afternoon mm. and see a board full of choices of like four-ish, three to three to four and a half percent see, beers I'm, that I could just go half of that, half of that, half of that and work my way through them very happily. I, I'm particularly gutted because um, this week, this coming weekend, uh, I believe, for those in the know, is, uh, is it this weekend? It might be the weekend after, actually. No, it's the weekend after. Uh, Ooh, it was a sesh fest. It would have been sesh fest. Well, it is sesh fest at Magic Rock. Um, 
we would have been going uh, as a, a collective group uh, here from the roastery. However, it sold out so damn fast, I was the only one that got tickets. So, and I don't want to go drink it on my own. Uh, you know. Uh, and in case everyone was wondering... But I, I would like to see... Uh, go, the, yeah. My point here is that it would be great to see uh, more places doing, you know, a selection of, you know, sessionable a lot more sessionable beers it's a lot know. more cheap like it's massively more achievable these days than it was even 18 months ago I think lots no, more wrong. people producing really good I had a nice one from Verdant their what, collaboration with Track uh, was very tasty mm. like 2.7% or something and I remember being told by um, uh, Buxton uh, who had just released their uh, in the Zorn, which is another low percentage mm. table yeah, beer. I had that last weekend. Yeah. They used to, way back when I first started drinking their beers, they produced Jacob's Ladder that I thought was a cracking IPA at 2.7%. Um, and one of the reasons that ended up getting just dropped off the list was that they just couldn't sell it. People didn't want to buy 2.7% delicious beer. They wanted 6.5% delicious beer. Um, and actually, it's really positive to see the kind of Swing around for that. Mm. I am genuinely surprised that there's been that much uh, a market for them. This is the thing for me. Like, don't get me wrong. I I do enjoy having my big beer sometimes, but like, you know, there are times when you just want to have a couple of couple of beers, and you don't want to suddenly start feeling lightheaded. Like, I just want a couple of nice, you know, three to four percent beers in an evening. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I think it. I think it'd be nice to see a move more towards that. I think it'd be great to see more places taking the punt and doing things like uh, Twisted Barrel and putting on yeah. a, a, a range of those for people to try. Um, and, yeah, maybe some festivals as well. You know, have a, have a sessionable section. You know, yeah. For those, yeah. You know, those, you know, those that want to go to the festival but don't want to get absolutely, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, shit-faced. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. And... Okay, so we are going to wrap this up. We are coming to an epically long one by our standards. Yeah. Um, the reason that I've been repeatedly thinking about Magic Rock throughout this, besides the fact that they've got very tasty beer, which they have, um, Chris... He's just, just a fanboy, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris has bought me one of their, their new glasses, which I've been mm. drinking from. Um, thank you, Chris. Much appreciated. Uh, it's got the, the Magic Rock branding on, which is very nice and pretty. It's also in this kind of, this almost straight shape, but with a nice little gentle curve to it. And I really like it. It's the same shape as the ones that I had at Twisted Barrel, which is why I mentioned it to Chris. Um, and I, I think it's just a really nice glass to drink from for that kind of half, two-thirds size. Uh, yeah, it's very, it feels nice. The, the, only, the only thing is, he's telling you about this lovely shaped glass that he's got, and we are using, uh, um, well, audio as our means yes. of uh, getting oh, this to you. Uh, perhaps you should share a, f- a photograph of this, yes. perhaps on Twitter. There, there will be a photo going up very shortly onto the Twitter and Instagrams, um, which you can come and have a look at if you want to see. I'm assuming you're going to post it on yours. The, no, I'm going to post the, it on yours. No, well, I don't have them, so... Uh, well, I might have a Twitter account. I think still have, still, yeah. Still, but I haven't used it for, like... You banned, yeah. A long, long time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll am I'm. post it on mine. It'll be up 
which Shortly. would be uh, your personal one at has yes, been new boy. at has been new boy on Twitter and <coughs> at nice Roland glasses. Roland Clue on on Instagram. Uh, so yes, I'm going to drink up and shut up now. I think mine drunk up ages ago. So yeah. oh, please shut up. <laughs> We're done.